0: This is Phil Stamper and you're listening to the Superlit Podcast.
1: is brendan patrick we have sophie g and phil oh my god i almost just mispronounced your last name already oh my god
0: you said <laughs> starting off strong because <laughs> we always mess this up in some way at the beginning i i, I, think, I, I think we found at, it.
1: your last name is spelled out like st- like differently in the oh yeah yeah so i looked at that and i was like wait a minute <laughs> that's wrong we have I phil don't. stamper here.
0: hey <laughs> you know i don't i don't have people mispronouncing my name often so that's
1: i'm kind of a champion at mispronouncing names it's like my <laughs> i guess my thing my superpower is being really bad at pronouncing everything fair but um today we're talking about phil's book called the gravity of us which came out i want to say it was like the beginning of february
0: yep february 4th
1: I was lucky enough to actually win a copy of the arc from Deepgram, and uh, yeah, I, that was a
0: while ago too, wasn't it?
1: Yes, I won that, and I was like, okay, I shouldn't read this right now because I'm going to get the like the book book, and I want to like keep the arc in good condition so I can love it more. But um, so <laughs> the first thing I wanted to say, I read your just before you like came onto the the chat room. Um, I went and read your like bio in the back of the book so the super Lip podcast is very serious and i just saw that you had a self-insert legend of zelda fan fiction <laughs> yes i did um i love that and i did it i i usually read like the author bios beforehand but i just happened to look at it and i was like oh interesting i have to bother him about this
0: oh absolutely um it's always so hard to write a bio about yourself because especially in the ya world you want to like be approachable and a normal human and not like you're not being snooty in there and so it's like what are the things that like are quirky about me and related to writing and I like I mean we can talk about this more later but I really wasn't a writer when I was growing up like that's something that happened in adulthood um but there was one thing I wrote um for a little while and on fanfiction.net um or whatever it was called. And uh yeah, it was a total self-insert Legend of Zelda fanfiction kind of what happened after Ocarina of Time. Um and it was uh it was beautiful. Awful, Honestly, but it was beautiful.
1: I love that. Um I Legend of Zelda is like one of my favorite uh like just series of games in general. So like I have a deep fondness of that series and reading that I was just like yes I like Phil very much now
0: and the funny part about that which is like I I get a little self-deprecating in that bio is because I (laughs) I, like if you go to it now which I like never really and I like misquoted a little bit so you can't like google it and find it um because it's just that bad and I really want to get into that but (laughs) if you did go to it now um would see the intro is just um, me telling people not to, crit- not to criticize my work. I think it says, like, please, if you write a review, don't criticize my work. And, like, um, I've, I've changed a little, a little in that amount of time um, because I will now allow you to criticize my work as long as I don't hear it.
1: <laughs> as long as I'm not in the room for it, I'm fine
0: with it. Yep, that's basically the rules.
1: I mean, I, I feel like I... Uh, I went. Uh, I went to art school, and I feel like uh, it was really hard for me to listen to people like go and like critique, <laughs> especially like if it's like a nude self portrait. It's like, well, what if you did this or like Photoshop that? It's like, oh yeah, let me Photoshop my butt to make it look a different way. <laughs> sure, I guess.
0: <laughs> no, and I was, a, I was a. I don't know why I did this. I was in drama and music all through high school. I was a music major. Um, through college, and then I got a degree in publishing and creative writing, a master's degree. So I've really just opened and i I'm, I'm an author now, so I've really just opened myself up to critique for literally my entire life, and I hate being judged, and I hate like being the center of attention in a potentially negative way. And somehow, I just keep getting drawn to that, um especially in college when I was like a music major piano like performance, like not not really. Not, not that it wasn't my thing. It's just I knew I didn't want a career in it, so I was like, "What? What am I doing? Like, why am I here? And why do I care what these like professors have to say to me all the time?" Yeah, it was a pretty traumatic few years there in college. I feel like performance music, anything, can be
1: extremely traumatic, and <laughs> I feel like I am so glad that I don't have any kind of musical talent because I probably would have like tried to like do that, and it would have been bad for my
0: ego. <laughs> It's, and the thing is like i was a good piano player but i um now my anxiety is controlled and like managed and I have a therapist and like a sci- psychiatrist and a, and a team of people that keep me going but back then in college when you have like all the stress on you anyway i had like this obscene schedule and i was being judged constantly for my work and like in the practice room four hours a day and like I, why did I do this to myself i like I, I look back and i'm like that was fun but also i could have chosen something that was less of a strain on my mental health but yeah if i was like if i talked to that that kid those decisions i would have been like okay first focus on therapy maybe get that in check and then kind of subject yourself to all this
1: you yeah, i feel like that's a good line of like do this first and then maybe maybe try this if you're up for it yeah um so <laughs> to talk about your book uh can you give us a little bit of a description of the gravity of us
0: Sure. Um, it's actually been a while since I've had to do this. I, I, um, that first week I went on a tour and I had to do it about like 35 times. And then before that I was in, doing interviews constantly. Um, I know we had talked before about doing, Oh, oh. hi, Sophie.
2: I, I don't know what happens. The server kicked me off for a second. i I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're Ryan today.
0: Yeah. Oh no. Anyway. So I, I've, I had to do, had to pitch my book a lot like for literally like a year and a half and now it's like i haven't had to do it in two weeks and so i'm like I, did i did i write about i wrote a book <laughs> what? what what am i here for um i thought we talked about sailor moon on this um i mean that can 100% be a up thing with it. oh okay <laughs> I, I can talk about pokemon we can we can go there we can talk we about pokemon can, we can do that <laughs> Um, yeah, Sailor Moon I loved, but I uh, can't, I I, I I haven't watched it since I was writing Legend of Zelda fanfic. So, like, different worlds that I've blocked out of my memory. Same. Um, anyway, my book. <laughs> um, so, my book is called The Gravity of Us. It's a contemporary YA romance um, between two teen boys who fall in love while their parents are kind of vying for the same spot on a mission to Mars. Um, and both their lives have been kind of upturned for this big NASA mission. And the main character is called Cal, is a social media journalist. He is very good at it. Um, and he realizes once he is forced to relocate to Houston that he won't be able to kind of do his reporting anymore because they're essentially stepping onto the set of a reality tv show um, to kind of bring back the interest of the 60s space race which was very focused on the glamour and the drama of the astronaut families Um, he doesn't take that very well and decides to kind of rebel against the uh, Starwatch Corporation, which is the the reality TV show, kind of like TMZ, um, that kind of runs their lives. And along the way, he falls in love with Leon, who is the son of another astronaut, like I said. And um, yeah, then things get kind of sticky toward the end because... Dad is very involved in this program. His boyfriend is only there because of this program. He wants to expose some things that Star Watch is not doing very well, um, while kind of protecting NASA, who is pretty bad at their jobs at this point. So, um, a lot of drama there, and you know, you'll see if he if he makes it through.
1: I kind of loved how um, bad NASA is at their. I guess at their job. I don't know how to describe. Well, the, the thing uh, the is, like, I did, media department. I did
0: hesitate to say like bad at their jobs because obviously their jobs are to like go into space and stuff. Um, yeah, it's hard. I, yeah,
2: but they did send Sally Ride into space with like a hundred tampons for like a two day trip. Didn't they? Oh my god, I
0: didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, well, that was uh, that was NASA. Um,
2: I'm really but good at some
0: It was, yeah, no, it was, it was, it was bad. Um, so that actually happened. There oh, were a lot. God. Like, the, if you peel back the layers of the Dixie Space Race, there's so much um, sexism, racism, everything you can imagine, kind of in that world. Um, and what I did get to do is kind of play with that a little bit and say, you know, we have this like nostalgic view of this the space race where we like beat the Russians to the moon. And like, that all is amazing. Like what we did then was really cool and amazing, but also we kind of like forgot about the entire civil rights movement that was happening at the same time. Like NASA just kind of stayed stagnant the whole time and didn't like that could have been a great place to like actually push for, you know, th- through the civil rights movement and like actually cause like you had the spotlight on you that whole time. And instead of like changing or like making change, they decided to let change happen around them. Um, and it got them into some weird situations along the way. So I get to kind of poke fun of that now when, you know, when Cal, who is a, um, was not nostalgic about the 60s nostalgic about other things for no reason but about this specifically he um doesn't buy into it right away and it was kind of nice but a cynic at the lead of this story
1: yeah we we have read so many different books where like the main character is very like bashful and like quiet and (laughs) sophie and i talk about how we don't really ever get like the point of view of like the sunshine boy um and cal is just like very very i don't want to say like sarcastic but like he kind of is and he's very different than like a lot of the different uh like uh main characters of books that we've read about
0: yeah i would say he's a little obnoxious and not in a bad way because like that's again that's kind of his job like he's a he is a investigative journalist sure but he's also a social media star kind of at the same time so he knows he has to present himself in a certain way. Um, And he is pretty selfish throughout the book. Like, he still has moments where he does think about his friends and his family and his boyfriend, and, like, he really does care about them. And you see that. But also you see moments of him just being a, like... I was a very selfish teenager, and I feel like... gay teens are. Um, We don't talk about it, but they are. And, um, yeah, this... He was just, like not he's not very quiet he's not very reserved introspective um i kind of, i mean i loved playing with that like he was just like from the very first time i started writing like his really did come to me like i know a lot of writers say that but like his voice came to me and he kind of led that um that personality because i don't really know where it came from to be honest so
1: you're saying you're, you're not very you're not like Galen anyway
0: uh I love attention if it's the good kind. <laughs> Al also loves attention if it's the good kind. We're both good at the internet. Um then after that, yeah, no, I'm not I don't like to break rules. Like I'm a really, really big non-rule breaker.
1: So you don't wear pork pie hats, is that what you're telling me?
0: Attention to myself. I'm six five. Like I walk into a room and people look at me. So like You're six five? Um yeah, no, I'm I'm literally six five. I walk through the room and everyone's like, "Oh my God, you're tall!" Oh, <laughs> That's gosh. how people say hello to me.
1: Um, oh, you're so tall! Yeah, yes, so I don't. I don't need. I don't
0: need a hat on top of that. I really don't. Have um, you tried
1: wearing a hat just in case?
0: Uh, no, nothing like that. If I do, it's a like it's a baseball cap that I can like go a little more incognito. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm practicing for when I'm really famous. Uh, is really what all this is about. Kind of. I have the hoodie up. Yeah, so you have, like, aviators on. Yeah, exactly. Got my iced coffee, and I'm, like, darting my eyes back and forth down the street as I walk. Um, (laughs) I I mean, I'm ready for it. But, um, yeah, my look isn't exactly like Cal's. But I did also have fun writing someone who was, like, really into fashion, really into, like... He cares about how he looks, and he takes the time every morning to, like, to present himself a certain way. And, like, I don't... I, I feel like I often don't do that. And so I kind of wish that, like... I did care a little bit more about myself. So I got to pretend through him, but it is just like, it was all part of the character. Like there's, he's obviously going to, if he is this internet, like um, sort of superstar, he is going to care about how he looks and how he presents himself. And if he is so into Brooklyn culture and like collecting cassettes and like wearing the hats and like all this stuff um, and going to vegan bakeries, like that kind of stuff, he is definitely going to, look the part as well. So um that was a lot of fun for me just because I got to play with, uh, I, I got to kind of like typecast him and then turn his world upside down and see like what that meant for him, which was fun.
1: I think one of my favorite things about, because I'm like kind of like a, I'm really into clothing and the way that I present myself um, because it's like, a, I guess a controllable, if you will. Um, that makes I, sense. Yeah, like I don't, this makes me, I feel like, sound a little unhinged. I don't own sweatpants because I'm afraid that if I own sweatpants or joggers, I will go out in them every day <laughs> and I will feel bad about myself.
0: I'm literally in sweatpants now. Thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah, but you're like, you're sitting in front of a computer, like talking to someone in New Jersey. So like, I, I get it.
0: I love sweatpants. Um, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> like, th- that is, I am sure Cal would feel the same way. And there was... um like, one of the sweeter moments in the book is when um, Leon sees Al, like, in just a t-shirt and shorts and, like, not kind of all dressed up, not, like, focused on his presentation because they're in a kind of vi- very vulnerable moment at that point. Um, he's just like, I've never seen you look like this. Like, this is cute. Not in a, like, you should look like this more often way, but, like, uh, it's nice to see that you're a real person sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: That was that was that was very cute, especially for that specific moment. It was nice to see Cal just be like, "Fuck it, I can't do this right now." Yeah, Sophie, do you have anything you want to talk about? <laughs> I feel like I'm just like bulldozing.
2: I'm just so bad at interrupting people and just listening to you guys talk.
1: <laughs> you love listening to this podcast. <laughs> I
2: love listening to this podcast.
0: <laughs> I was I was saying I, I just listened to Ryan's podcast as well, where you were uh, a great listener um, <laughs> as well. Oh, no! <laughs> I, you did start asking me questions throughout it's just it was funny because i was like is she there and then all of a sudden it's like oh hold not,
1: on sometimes she's actually not there and i it's such a reflex to be like sophie what do you think and i'm like oh sophie's not here
2: blah, blah. i just <laughs> hate like, interrupting people
0: oh interrupt me all um, you want i don't care i will i will stop talking over to you. i like to ramble so sometimes i oh. need to be stopped
2: <laughs> <laughs> i'm just looking at my notes to see uh, the none of them make sense, and they definitely aren't, like, intelligent <laughs> questions at all. I'm so sorry.
1: <laughs> oh, um, there's... So, Sophie, do you follow Phil on uh, Twitter? Probably. I... So, I feel like something that's been coming up uh, that you've been tweeting about, I don't know if this is something you want to talk about, but people yeah.
0: asking <laughs> your, if your book is, like, clean.
2: Oh, wait, yep, hmm yep. <laughs> I mean, I... I
0: be honest, like, put you in the like the frame of mind that I'm at right now. I have been promoting this book for two years and four months. And I have been fighting tooth and nail just to get every single reorder. And I have a lovely team behind me that has been supporting me and have been helping me in like amazing ways. I love working with Bloomsbury. Um, I think they did a great job with the book. Um, but also, I just I know that I am very. I, I if there is a chance that I can do something to make this more successful, I'm going to do it. And that's kind of how I'm like Cal in a lot of ways. Um, Very like ambitious and very like go-getter to the detriment of my own sanity sometimes. Um, So I have been through two years of just like dealing with, with kind of bullshit throughout, throughout this process, which is totally fine and normal. Um, But then the book comes out and it's just like this huge release of like, So many emotions. You're, like, crying and you don't know why. You're seeing your book in stores. It's amazing. And then suddenly all of these, like, guess well-intended DMs start coming in, um, usually on Facebook for some reason, um, asking about the content of the book, which... I think it's totally fair for someone to say, like, I have a school for thirteen or a school for thirteen-year-olds. Uh, that's what they're called. <laughs> <Specifically>. um, <laughs> only thirteen-year, only thirteen-year-olds. Then you're out. Um, it's like a dystopian world that um, I just created in my head. Um, anyway, book idea. <laughs> Yeah. So, it, so I do a middle school library. It's thirteen to fifteen-year-olds. Um, is there any cursing or some, something like that? Like, if you're going to ask me that, I can I can answer specific questions. But when people ask, is your book clean? Um, And then follow it up, which one person did with it's just so hard to find LGBTQ books out there that are clean. Um, That's when it really triggers all the negative emotions. And it puts me in that bad place where I'm going to tweet about it. And I really thought I was going to get away with not tweeting it. I was like, I'm fine. I'm an adult. I'm going to go through, I'm not going to talk about it, not going to subtweet it. And then I was like, you know what, screw this. Cause I got another one. Um, and I was like, okay, we're done. Like, stop, just stop asking me if my book is clean. Um, and then, you know, in retrospect, I probably shouldn't have because twitter's not a great place for that kind of conversation just in general. But I found that like, In my experience and in the experience of a lot of other queer YA authors, um, it's kind of become coded language. And it's hard not to feel like a conspiracy theorist a bit with it, but I am not going to help a library find a reason to ban my book. And that's what I think people are asking me to do. So when you're asking me, you know, is it a clean book, you are kind of broadly asking me, is there any reason I should not stock your book? And then, you know, they say, like, after all, we wouldn't wouldn't show our rated movies to our students, would we? And like all these other like very icky kind of questions where it's like, well, actually, there's a lot of violence in the books that you probably select up there. There's a lot of you know straight makeout scenes. Like, are you okay with those? Like what is it? and like I would have to ask like a hundred questions just to find out exactly what they are looking for. Um, and often like I don't want to tell like I I would say that my book has no sexual content. It has a few great makeout scenes, which are fantastic. Very good ones. Love those. Love the relationship. Love the F word sometimes. <laughs> like these are the things that and like there and outside of that, there's like not really violence. There's not any other things in there. There's uh sorry, underage drinking, yes, which is what what would get it quote unquote banned from disney plus oh my um, god <laughs> so so that's out but it's not just like it's also just not reckless they're not like getting blackout out every day but regardless even if they were there are stories for that and i think they should be on shelves too anyway usually what they're asking is like i'm i feel uncomfortable stocking a a book with either, you know, like the, they did this same shit with, um, Angie Thomas, the black lives matter books were like kind of all blo- a band because, you know, us. State lawmaker in Georgia or whatever education person was like, no, it can't be on shelves because it says shit on there. Well, they wouldn't say that, obviously, but it says the S word and you're like, okay, that's why you're banning it. It's like, no, because it makes you uncomfortable. So I'm getting that vibe a lot with people. And I don't think it's really my responsibility to like
1: help you yeah. block me from do it, like from especially when they read my book
0: there are trade reviews out there the school library journal is like listed as like i don't know 13 to 17 like ages 13 to 17 like is that not enough for you um you can read the review where it talks about content um you could read my Kirkus review any of these trade reviews whose jobs it is to literally get this information to you or wild thought you could read the book <laughs> like it literally your job You could read the book if you are really interested in bringing this into your collection. I know you can't read everything, but you can skim it. You can, like, look at reviews. You can figure things out if you want to without asking the author directly. And so these are just interesting choices that have been made. And I've been welcomed into so many other libraries and so many schools. And, like, I would say if there is a problem with my book being in schools, I have rarely seen it so far. Um, I'm sure it will be a problem. It always is with gay books. But... One thing that just bothers me is like them coming to me for that kind of, it's like almost permission. And so I don't respond. I'm like, I'm never, I'm never going to respond. Like, sorry if that's rude, but like, I don't have to justify it to you. And like, if you are really curious about it, you'll figure out a way to, uh, to, to find out what's the, the content of the book, because there are a hundred free ways to do that right now.
1: It's always so. interesting. The books that uh, like, if I, I'm trying to think of like things I, so I went to Catholic school and I feel like the list of books that we would have read would be like very limited. But I feel like we read like what was the book with Pony Boy?
0: Oh, Outsiders,
1: yeah, yeah, the Outsiders. That <laughs> that book is like violent, if I remember correctly. And so is, um, well, Catcher in the Rye I read in high school, but like you know things like that, like where there's actual like violence or like whatever, I like. I can see why something like that wouldn't necessarily be given to a young age group, but like literally having just read this, I can't. Like, I can't imagine it. So, like, I feel bad that you keep getting those questions. Slash yeah. anyone getting a question about a queer book that is using like asking an author who's probably like their mind is melted from having to you know yeah, yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly like that's the thing like I. I've been, like, watching Adam Sass's, like, Twitter, and they're consistently talking about, like, I'm talking about this book every 10 minutes because, I like, I need to. And it's, like, I can imagine you've been talking, as you said, talking about your book for two
0: straight years. Yeah, I've been helping Adam with a lot along the way because I he's, like, six months behind me. So, like, that's amazing because... We can I can share tips and things that I've learned and just Ryan did the same with me. Um, his was much closer because we were supposed to be a month apart and then he got push, pushed earlier. And then um, so like it, when I was like, how do I do a school presentation? What am I doing? I went to Ryan and like I also have this great network of other queer authors who have also um had similar breakdowns throughout, uh, which is great. This is like, we do have a great support system. And, um, and yeah, Adam is in the yelling about my book mode. Like that's what you should be at six months before your books out or I, I don't know what month it is anymore. So I, I, can't. <laughs> I could not
1: tell you. <laughs> um, last week I was in my store for 17 hours cleaning up sewage. So oh my like, God. yeah, my brain, I, I actually think my brain is broken because someone told me today that it was Thursday and I said, wait, I thought it was Tuesday.
2: I walked into the coffee shop this morning and the owner was like, happy Friday. And I was like, don't do that to me. That is so mean.
0: (laughs) Oh, no, that's awful.
1: Yeah, no, that's not that's not good. I don't talk to people at work about what day it is because I'm afraid to hear that I have to open the next day.
0: Uh (laughs) Oh, no. I just don't talk to people at work. It it helps a lot.
1: Just don't talk to people. (laughs) I really wish I couldn't.
0: My coworkers came to um, my book launch at McNally Jackson in New York. um, And I was in author mode at that point. um, And talking with Isaac Fitzgerald, who's like great to talk to. Um, We had such a fun conversation and it all went super well. And then at the end, my, my direct report came up to me and she was like, could you? be like that more in the office. And I was like, honestly, no, I'm so tired. <laughs> like, Honestly, I'm not going to do that. And you I can't, can't make I just me. Can't. I can't do it. I'm so tired. I'm sorry. Um, and like, it's because I have this, like, I have a nine to five on top of all of my book stuff. And so it's just like, I have two full jobs. Like I need one where I can just like disconnect a little bit, like disconnect from, Twitter if sometimes I mean unless I'm in huge promo mode then it's like that takes over my whole life uh, but just connect from like the writing editing portion of my brain for a little bit yeah it's uh I just thought that was funny because I was like I do have a personality it's there somewhere it's just it's not really on display at work
1: yeah I work in a in a store that sells um like body care and skin care so like I get to be like a as close to me as possible. Sometimes I sing to people and it makes them buy things. I think out of pity, but um, that works though. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I sometimes get to just like be a, a, a a nut at work, but like there are days when I go in and I'm like, I don't want to have to do performative (laughs) stuff to make sales.
0: Yeah, that's fair. That seems like a reasonable ask.
1: Yeah. But you know, (laughs) sometimes I, I'm just going to have to put a wig on and dance to make sales. (laughs) Oop. Um Sophie, did you did you come up with a question?
2: Oh, was that what I was supposed to be doing? No.
1: Oh my god, he Brandon stalled for so long. Yeah, I did it again. (laughs) I do this all for you, Sophie. (laughs) Oh god.
2: Um well (laughs) I did, I mean, I'm here just to just talk about the audiobook, because that's my part of the podcast. Yes. No, literally, I,
1: so I always tell myself I'm going to listen to the audiobook. I almost said read. This is where I'm at.
2: Read the audiobook. I'm going to read the Try. audio. I'm going to
1: read it to filth. <laughs> no, I always want to re- listen to it. I almost did it again. And I never do it, because I always wind up getting the book.
2: Yeah, I I mean, I think there's been a few times where I've had the physical book, but it's just so much easier for me at work to listen to audiobook. time. Yeah.
0: I love audiobooks. I mean, I because I, I read so many upcoming books that are not audiobooks. Um, and so the ones that are published that I've kind of missed, it's really good to catch up on all those.
2: I'm the worst about reading books because I'm always like, well, I could just listen to the book. And then I can also do six other things while I'm listening. If I read the book, I just have to sit there and read it and enjoy it. And that's, I can't yeah. just sit and enjoy a thing.
0: It's it's asking a lot to today's society. It's asking a lot to uh to have somebody sit and give you their give a book their undivided attention for like 5 or 6 hours minimum. But also
1: having is, someone read to you, like that's so nice.
2: It's a lot easier to focus for me on someone else's voice than to like be able to block out sounds around me and just read and absorb yeah. the information. But the audiobook there was like two significant differences i think in this one um well first of all the narr- the main narration was michael crouch who has done multiple books that we've covered and also other books that i've <laughs> listened to it, and he's has a beautiful voice and i want him to read everything to me yeah i um
0: so he i didn't know who the, who we were going to choose and uh, my my producer kind of immediately suggested him because penguin random house audio does um, work with Michael a lot, and I knew him from well, literally every book, but specifically from um, <laughs> book. It really is at this point, honestly, uh, yeah. But I know I knew him specifically from uh, Goodbye Days and Jeff Sentner's other books, um, The Serpent King as well. Um, and that's when I first kind of fell in love with his narration. Um, and he's done so many others that I like. I, they're just too many and I can't think of any specific ones that have jumped out other than like Reverie, which I loved. He did a great job for that. Um, but like, I was also kind of worried that because he does every audiobook um, in the YA space that like is, especially when the, um, when the character is queer, I, I I didn't want it to sound like every other book. Um, and then I actually listened to my books right after um, I listened to, to reverie and he just did a completely different voice for both characters, which like should not be as surprising as, as it is for me. But like he really does embody whatever character he is. He is acting as. Um, and so I just like got such a thrill out of like listening to those two back to back and having completely different experiences.
2: Yeah, he does like a very good job of changing the tonality of what he's saying, depending on who he's speaking for. Um, And I can't I don't know how else to describe it, but using the term vocal fry. But I feel like that has such negative connotation, but it doesn't. He's such like a good like timbre to his voice that fits like the specific like, kind of why I feel, especially when there's, like, really emotional beats, he gets this, like, straight in his voice that I'm just like, oh, no, am I about to cry mm-hmm. at work? Like, what's happening? Like, yeah, I'm
0: like, Michael, are you crying? Like, oh, no. <laughs>
2: is everyone okay? Because I'm not okay anymore. Yeah. Um, and I feel like he, the majority of the books we've listened to, he's definitely... The narrator or the main character has been male, but I feel like he has, he's just really, really good.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I was thrilled to work with him along with the full cast, obviously, um, which I assume will be your next point. Yeah.
2: (laughs) The follow up to that is that there's a, I was caught off guard for a second. I thought like I had something, I accidentally hit my phone and started playing a podcast or something in the middle. (laughs) Because it starts off with this like nice like chime and the theme music for um, the like TV show that's in the book. And then those interviews are fully casted. So you actually get to yeah. hear actors be the different characters.
0: And so that is um, line by line what is in the book. One thing, so I added these interstitial chapters for my editor, uh, not I mean, for the book, but like my editor suggested that on one of our early rounds of edits, um, just to give more context to the whole, um, the whole mission and the stakes. And like, there's so much you could do with that. Um, And I really like the idea of, you know, it's, it is, the story is like 100% focused on these teens, specifically Cal, his life. But it is really nice to like see what the adults are doing that are like doing actively doing stressful things to Cal like throughout. Like you really get their side of it as well through this. But then you also get an entire like layer of the environment's conflict, like the NASA environment that's happening. Um, So like there's it builds up into like a NASA versus Star Watch kind of moment. Um, And all this is happening while. Cal has his own story that kind of hits the same beats at the same time. And so it was so fun just to write it that way. Um, and I was actually writing it while I listened to the Sadie podcast, which actually did some amazing things with the full cast. Um, they did interstitial chapters with a true crime podcast in between. Um, and I just had never heard of that before. And I thought it was so cool. Um, so I was just like thrilled to have them do very excitedly want to do the same thing for these chapters that i wrote for uh for the hardcover technically but um it just worked even better in audio
2: i really
1: like oh sorry sorry. so it's okay i I really just gonna say oh
2: no oh my god i'm sorry i keep doing it (laughs) (laughs) this is what happens when we aren't in the same room together and we can't like look at each
1: other (laughs) yep you go (laughs)
2: Um, I'm just going to say that I think it added like a significant amount of tension also towards the end of the book specifically because you have like things starting to happen with like what's going on with all the characters and like what's being picked up by the, the news that's following them everywhere. And then you get like the actual broadcast and you the actor who played. Um, the main broadcaster, like, you could feel the tension in his voice building. It's kind of that, like, oh, oh, I'm yeah. a newscaster, so I can't break, but I'm, like, really angry right now.
0: And he's also, like, being manipulative, and you can, like, hear it in his voice. Like, he did such a great job at that. I, I mean, all of them did. Josh Farrow is my favorite monster. <laughs> so good. He was not in, early, like, the draft that sold to Bloomsbury. He was not even, he didn't even exist. Like did Star Brendan Watch.
1: exist? I really liked Brendan.
0: Oh, yeah. Named after you, obviously.
1: <laughs> I, I'm I'm not going to say that I thought that when I was reading it. Uh,
0: Brendan did exist. Uh, I did end up combining two nerds to, like, one from earlier in the book, one from later in the book, to be the same nerd throughout. Um, so that just, I like when I can do that and kind of combine two. But I think that all happened before... Um, before I got the deal. So that was all like early draft stages. But yeah, Brendan was always there. love Brendan. Love a good nerd, honestly.
1: (laughs) I'm going to just cut that and just be like, here's Phil Stamper talking about the (laughs) Superlib Podcast. (laughs)
0: Love a good nerd. (laughs) So Jonathan Davis, okay, there you go, that's his name. Jonathan Davis is the, um, the actor who plays Josh Farrow, who kind of becomes the antagonist of the book. And you hear him, um, he is in almost every, I think, every one of the Star Watch interstitial chapters. He has some very contentious interviews, um, some manipulative ones, and he, he just like listening to him go on throughout the um, throughout the the course of the the audiobook was just like amazing. And they all played so well off of each other, even though they were, none of them were in the room at the same time, but it sounded like they were having like a nice, uh, not, not a nice one, a, a back and forth conversation that was like contentious. And like, I, I like, I felt the tension at escalate and it felt like they were like volleying off of each other, but actually they were <laughs> separately recorded and just spliced together in a perfect way. Um, and so, I mean, they're all pros. This is like, a star cast and I know all of their names, which is like, you never see that.
1: I feel like I have to listen to the, I almost said to the podcast version, to the audio yeah. version of this.
0: You yeah, really should. At least the like, uh, interstitial chapters just to see what we're talking about. Um, I
1: really like those chapters. That's what like that, especially like towards the end too, when they get like a little bit more dramatic too, mm-hmm. I was like, Oh my God, Josh Farrow is a
0: ding dong. Exactly. He is exactly a ding dong. Um, and yeah josh and um and Grace Tucker, the like lead astronaut who's leon's mom um they get you know, they're not very happy with each other by the end, and um you feel awkward just listening to this fight happen It's like your your parents fighting, you're just like, oh God, oh God, it's happening, um but it needs to happen, and it uh it matches what's going on in the book for sure,
1: I think out of the like the the astro people i grace obviously gets like a lot of like, uh, time. I don't want to say airtime, but like, I don't know how else to describe it. So Mm -hmm. like, I feel like I have a better understanding of grace. I really, really liked her as a, like a character.
0: Yeah. I love grace. And that's actually how, um, I mean, I, I created grace before I created Leon. Like that is how much I focused on her specifically, um, and her family. Um, because I really did want to present. If you look back at the issues of Time or Life magazine from the '60s, you see the perfect astronaut families in their in like in their habitat, which was like they're all uprooted and moved to Houston anyway. Um, but they're all like pretending really hard. Um, and I just love that um, love that I could kind of revisit that and have someone who is a lot more outspoken be at the center of that, um, who is a lot more media savvy and like knew how to get what she wanted from both NASA and Starwatch. Um, and then also just having like having the lead astronaut, like no spoilers, but like the pretty much the most important one of the entire mission be a black woman was like important to me. So like, those were all like decisions I had made way before I'd even like thought about the romance <laughs> element of it. Or like, you know, the, the, I had the main character, but after that I was like, let's focus on these astronauts. Cause those are cool. Um, I feel like it's rare to, like, focus on a parent before you would focus on the other characters, but I love her.
2: It's got, like, very good my so-called life vibes where it's like the kids are the main characters, but also (laughs) here's some information about the parents and you're super invested in them also. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's and that's why it was actually really cool to have the um, interstitial chapters because usually you don't you don't really get anything from adults in YA books. And the for good reason, obviously, because the main focus is always on the um on the teens. Um But it was just cool to like because this was so this was this world was kind of built and maintained by these adults who were like making things stressful and annoying for the teens that were involved like you. You wanted to get in their heads a little more
2: i think also a thing that super stood out to me from the parents point of view was that <laughs> um cal talks a lot about how his mother has anxiety and it's not just like yes. oh i'm like anxious but she like has like clinical anxiety and it's a thing that he understands and knows how it affects her and it affects their family dynamics significantly um and i thought that was written really beautifully
0: <laughs> yeah i um this one I just like gave in. I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to put a lot of myself into a character, and it ended up being Becca, who is Cal's mom, Um, because there's, I mean, there are a trillion different parent-child relationships that are out there in the um, in the YA world. Um, but I never really saw one that matched what I wish would happen when a parent has anxiety. Like I wanted to show in different stages of their mental health treatment because there's not, like... You can't all be perfectly maintained in therapy, you know, whatever. Because even if you are in therapy and on medication, like, it doesn't mean you're perfectly maintained. And I liked playing with that for for Cal's mom because Cal's mom is... She's struggling, too. And like we we saw that on the page of like this is a whole new world for her. Um, She isn't settled. She wasn't really settled in Brooklyn, but like she's especially not settled now. But she knows how to get to where she wants to be. Um, She just needs her family to support her. And Cal is very actively supporting her in that, even if he is at times like, you know, a normal teen who's like annoyed with his parents or, you know, doesn't agree with their decisions. Like he can still be there and supportive of her as like, as a son in the way that she needs. Um, but still like be a teen and be rebellious or be annoying or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and then playing that against like, um, Leon, who is, who has depression, who it's not, um, it's not diagnosed or well, it's, it's diagnosed, but it's not treated. Um, and he doesn't know, kind of how to get to where he wants to be. And he's like working on his own path through that. And he's figuring out what it needs to be. He doesn't, he has supportive parents, but he also has very famous parents who are not around and can't necessarily help him. So he turns to um, his sister a lot. And I like that dynamic um, because there was such a clear um, relationship between Cal and his mom um, to have like Leon and his sister be the only one who fully understands, not, not fully, but mostly understands what's going on in Leon's brain. um, and who can advocate for him. And then you have Cal who's like, I mean, I don't want to diagnose him because I didn't diagnose him on the page, but um, he has a kind of compulsive need to fix people and things and whatever he thinks is in peril. He wants to jump in and he wants to make everything right as fast as possible. Um, and that's like, you know that's an anxiety thing that I deal with a lot um wanting th- just like smoothing things over like we're gonna be fine let's just not let's not think about it let's not talk about it or like let's immediately fix it um and I like I liked having mental health shown in very different stages because if you just show one um it does get kind of one-dimensional and then you do kind of get those cardboard cut out like I'm anxious because I don't like to go to parties and like yes That is correct. (laughs) Like Becca is anxious because she doesn't like to go to parties um, and she doesn't like to go to parties. But there's also so much more to her experience and Cal's experience and Leon's experience as well. That was a really long way to say what I wanted to say, but hopefully that made sense.
2: It made. Yeah, it made a lot of sense. I (laughs) think um, (laughs) it was. Oh, I just immediately lost my train of thought. Oh, no, I'm very good at this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The, like, different depictions of, like, all the different characters having, yeah, what you were saying, if you have one character, even if it's a good depiction of a specific kind of mental health issue, if they're the only one and everyone else is fine, it becomes this very strange, like, thing that kind of singles them out, even if it's a good representation yeah. And, it,
0: and that's why it's like, I don't like having just like one queer character on the page. And this is a very limited cast. So like, I don't have many out there. Um, but like, I wanted to put as much kind of um, as many experiences kind of on the page as I could in many different ways. Um, and one of the ways I did that was through kind of the mental health representation, because it's something that I know pretty well and felt confident that I could get across in a in a nuanced way that doesn't also feel like it's like ticking boxes or you know people like people get weird on the internet about like anytime you bring up mental health and i was hoping to show kind of a world where we could just like back off of that like immediate ear of talking about it and just like like what if we sat with this for a little bit or like what if we showed a positive relationship or someone who was still working on it and like what like this is real this is what's happening to people and also if you look back to the '60s, which inspired a lot of this book, obviously, um, there were—I mean, there were so many issues with mental health that were just swept under the rug because that's what we did in the '60s, apparently. Um, but also because you had to be the perfect family, you had to like the wives had to be perfect because if they were not, they could jeopardize their husband's career. But also, they have to look perfect and have their makeup on and take care of all the children while they're. Husbands are, like, literally off in a rocket in space that hasn't been tested nearly enough and could not come home ever. And, like, you're dealing with all this stuff. And that's why, like, one of the astronaut uh, wives did um, end up uh, taking her own life after um, after the divorce. And later on, because she couldn't really – she didn't have the resources to deal with the world that she was put into. And also, um, one of the astronaut's mothers did the same thing. And it was just – it was these things that like we didn't talk about then and we could have had conversations or we could have figured out a way to like fix that. And so it would have been weird to show such a mirror image of the sixties. Um, and then just like hide all the mental health aspects, which were really important to me as I did more digging.
1: I think that the, I know this is not so Mad Men takes place like during that time period. <laughs> I feel like in that show, mental health is very much like, Oh, we just have to ignore it. We're not going to talk yeah. about it. This is the workplace. We don't think about that. And it's very much like I feel like my parents have talked to me about like, oh, well, when we grew up, it was different. Like, and they were born and in it, the fifties, so
0: I mean, I feel like when I grew up, it was different. We didn't talk about that when I was and I was born in eighty eight. So like in the nineties and early two thousands, we didn't talk about it. And um, I'm glad that we're like there were no books on the shelves with like people with anxiety if they were they were the murderers of a like a, like a serial killer novel where it's like oh well they have they're depressed so that's why they murdered a bunch of people and like that's the ending that you find out and you're like okay cool or it's like <laughs> Great, they were depressed and gay and everyone's like <laughs> oh that's gay that's why they murdered drugs. everyone oh yeah okay, yes and had one drug once and once. that's <laughs> that <laughs> one is why once um everyone had to die um and you just like got it like that was just that was the excuse that was the justification and everyone's just like yeah okay that that sounds right like that yeah sounds, that, that uh the that i get it <laughs> Like okay great <laughs> So like that's what i was raised on and that was like 25 years ago so not not helpful
1: you know <laughs> um i i think uh to to piggyback on that the mm-hmm. the depiction of uh Cal's mom in the in the story. Uh, I just wanted to say it was very good as well. Um I i found that a, a lot more especially in YA novels. Um I've been seeing like very like nice descript- like there's no I don't know how to describe it other than like the description of someone like having anxiety or like going through something it's not done in like a oh well they're having anxiety and it's awful and I hate it. It's like this person, this thing is happening and it's like done in a, in a much nicer way than I've, I've read in the past.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's just like it's, in a it, more like nuanced way, you mean, or like yeah, more it's, subtle it, yeah, explanations. It's just, it's yeah.
1: Just, it's done very like much better than it's done before. And it's, it's much nicer to see like someone talking about anxiety in a way where it's like, I can talk about this and I, I don't feel like I'm going to be ashamed, like shamed for admitting that like, I need help.
0: Right. And enjoy my second book because that, that has a lot of anxiety in there. So that's that's fun. Yep. So <laughs> if you like the anxious parts of this book.
1: If you're a big fan of anxiety in books, you're going to love exactly. my second book.
0: If you love the anxious gaze, hit that follow button. Because I'm coming out with eight more books about them. Sounds like she's about
1: now. to like follow.
0: Yeah.
2: Oops.
1: <laughs> she's going to hit that like button and follow.
0: Yeah, exactly
2: anxiety gaze oh no my numbers <laughs> i
1: know <laughs> Yeah, space, <laughs> space anxiety gaze is it was really hit different these days that Listen. was the original title <laughs> space anxiety space gaze. Anxiety perfect gaze. just like i talk about alex london's <laughs> book and i just call it uh gay birds
0: it, yeah, that's all it is it's, it's gay birds correct done
2: you give me kids in space and you make them gay i'm in
0: you yeah, have to exactly. be gay in space
2: I did start reading a book last week that I thought was just like a YA queer book. And then I found out it, it was in space. And I was like, why <laughs> didn't no one tell me? Oh, my God. I got I so excited.
0: The opposite issue where everyone thought my gays were in space. And no matter like space. Yeah, no, but no matter what description we put on anything, no matter the fact that the cover is them literally on the ground. I was like, can we put them on They're the on ground moms. looking up? yeah the people, the sky people didn't get it people didn't get it and they're like oh this wasn't what i was expecting but i like it and i'm like okay thanks but <laughs> I, also thanks, you could I have guess. listened to me like once one one tweet just like eat, <laughs> any of it.
1: them any of my tweets you could have looked at
0: and it's people that were like interacting with me and like retweeting all the time and then they're like wait really it's like, <laughs> Stop!
2: no wait but they're not they're, in space they're just it's what <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. It was that that I had that same conversation over and over and over again. And I blame Maya Rudolph for that one gaze in space GIF. I have that that saved my phone and
1: I'm not kidding. I wanted to send it to you a hundred times and I'm like, stop it, Brendan. You know better. Don't do this to him.
0: I mean, it's a great GIF and I love when people do that because now people do that to be funny because they know that no matter what, people are going to think it's in space anyway so like my friends will be like making jokes about it being in space and i'm just like thank you but you're actually confusing people but that is a great gift i will save that thank you
1: it should be a reference in your next book where it's just like my i'm looking at the screen and my rudolph is dancing screaming gaze in space
0: yes or i just have them go to space like 60 percent of the way through the book just a normal ya contemporary all of a sudden off to space
1: I think I would. I would. My dream book. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I would. I would probably throw money at
0: that book. Surprise space gays are probably the best.
1: (gasps) Surprise space gays, yes.
0: (laughs) But no, no. Sorry, I don't. I don't want to tease you too much. They're on the ground. (laughs) It's fine in in London. Oh well, I mean,
1: like London to me is like this, like space. Yeah, they really want their space right now. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Good one. (laughs) I'm here all day, Um, literally. So. To add on to the fact that like people had read the book and they're like, oh, they're not in space. I read the book sleeve of Adam Silvera's History Is All You Left Me or Mm -hmm. History Is All You Left Us or whatever. Yeah. I can't remember the book title at the top of my head. Whatever
2: the book's called. (laughs) History. History
1: History Is All You Left. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. And I literally read it and I was like, oh, this sounds like a a funny book. (laughs) What? (laughs) It's not. (laughs) it's so not
2: it's very sad i i think i was just in why like would a, you read that title and go this is gonna be hilarious well, like, no, I read,
1: but- no i read the book sleeve first and it was oh like, okay. i thought it was like i thought the a situation campy tale? was yeah i thought it was like <laughs> his ghost was there with him like trying to work through stuff i'm like oh this is like funny it wasn't it wasn't funny <laughs> was It wasn't funny i can read i promise.
0: Well, see, that's the thing. People read something and they'll only retain what they want to be true. I wanted what, it to be funny. Yeah, and like and that's what I started to understand. It was like it wasn't that we were explaining it poorly or whatever. It's just people will read it and they'll do their own thing. Like the, there's gravity in the title. There is like there are these clues that like that they just they latch onto that more than they would latch onto the title. They'll pick out like or sorry the description, and I think that's I mean that's fair. And I don't judge people for doing that anymore. Um, but yeah, for the first like year when I was like, please stop, you're going to all give me bad reviews because they're not in space. Can't believe these gays aren't in space. Yeah. And I was like, it's all going to be fixed when we announce the cover. And then everyone's like, oh my God, the space gays.
1: The gays, they're in space. I mean, if these gays are in space, what? where are their parents? Like, how did this happen? Are they okay?
0: Nobody cares. They—they they just <laughs> They just want the gays in space. <laughs>
2: You just want kids in space. You don't care about parents. Shoot them out of the logistics no, space. Oh, my God.
1: Um, I, for the longest time, and I know it was like a, a gag image, and I think it was like the first image I saw of the cover of the book, was the boys with like an iPod between them.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I made that one.
1: Yeah, I literally for the longest time thought that was it.
0: <laughs> uh, oh, my God.
1: I mean, it I kind mean, of
0: it is. It works. Um, I Well, I made it for... The, they probably did have... These kids and their AirPods. Um, but no, I, I made that for to announce the audiobook. Um, oh,
1: that's what it was. But that is
0: being clever, not confusing people more.
1: Well, I mean, the gays aren't in space, and they're not listening to their own story. No. on an iPod. Yeah, no, they, they don't
2: even have iPods. It's a, like a tape deck. What's I happening? Just, you know, I, they start honestly, reading. And they're
0: like, "What is a cassette tape?
2: Who the fuck is a cassette tape?" Release the audiobook on cassette. So I can <gasps> listen to it. Oh my god! Way. Oh my god. On vinyl, Robin
1: did that with her yes, on uh, "Honey" album. She put it out on cassette.
0: Uh, it's happening a lot more, and I. So if you go to Urban Outfitters, um, yeah. there are a lot of cassettes up there now. That was not the case when I started writing this book in 2016. I helped move cassette culture, I believe, into you the did mainstream. It. You did, I did responsible, it,
1: honestly, especially since like you use John Mayer as like you know a launching point i really think that you are going to make john mayer big in 2020 i hope that's not true but like that's just what's going to happen now and cassette culture you you made that i did
0: it i did it i'm so proud of me
1: you are that bitch
2: (laughs) oh no (laughs) you are responsible for me googling john mayer hat while on my computer though
0: (laughs) god everyone has to google it now well, and the I thing was is, like, like,
2: I can't picture. I was like, I know this is like some kind of like thing that happened, yeah. but I can't picture it. And, and I was like, I have my to. My favorite
0: thing about that is when you Google it, he has like twenty different hats, and all of them are <laughs> so bonkers. And like, I that kind of I was I'm looking. So I actually just tweeted this morning a picture of the hat, and it's the first time I've done that. But um,
1: I did I, like I, that. Tweet. I
0: did really like the idea of the just people choosing their own adventure there um, of what hat it was.
1: Because they're all the
0: same style, really.
1: They really are. And what I imagined was that every time the hat was mentioned, it just
0: got bigger. Yeah, that does. Oh, no. The brim just just gets wider and wider. Yes. Yeah.
1: It started off as a baseball cap and then it became
0: something. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's what, like, I'm just imagining this ginormous hat that, like, I'm trying to think of, like, what Texas isn't ready for.
0: I mean, they're certainly not ready for that.
1: No, but, no, not at all.
0: Yeah, I got to create an entire emotional arc with um, John Mayer's hat. So I, I mean, what what can I do at this point? They let the gays do anything. You're we acceptable. are running this country. Too powerful now. <laughs> too Way too powerful.
1: The gays must be stopped. Part of their agenda is making John Mayer relevant again.
0: No, that's not something I
1: would
2: know. I don't think that's on the agenda.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just, the there is one, just the hat. You know there yeah. is the one gay somewhere that's like, you know what? I really love John Mayer. Wish he'd make more music.
2: That is not be one, art. But we
0: don't, need to, we don't need to focus on that one.
1: <laughs> I had like a few notes written down in sticky notes, and I feel like we covered all of them. I just wanted to check. One of them was just like, the introduction to Cal in Chapter 3 was really rough. And I was like, wait, well, yeah. What? I had a, like, one of the sticky notes I wrote down that, like, the introduction for, was it Cal or Leon? I'm trying to see. Leon? Yeah, Leon in chapter Leon. three. Yeah, for the introduction for him was really rough in chapter three. And I was like, oh no. This is good. I hope this isn't the whole book.
0: Rough how? Hello? I'm trying
1: oh, to, uh oh.
2: You can't just say that and then not <laughs> <Yeah. just> respond. <laughs> you're not allowed well, to cheat him to his oh, well, face. We went
1: over
0: it's, this. It's, 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 <laughs> is, is this Goodreads?
2: <laughs> oh no. What have can you done? I, can I be kicked out of the chat? <laughs> it's my podcast now. It
0: depends on what you say next.
2: <laughs> no, it's nothing bad. I just felt bad for Leon. Really because rough, it's,
0: huh? It's... Oh,
2: the grammar was just like
0: <laughs> literally just like open the book, read my bio again. Let's <laughs> start this over.
1: Oh
2: my god, <laughs> I'm literally crying right now. Do the intro again. We got to start from square one. <laughs>
0: This is Phil Stamper, and you're listening to
2: to nothing. We, we quit to some I'm... bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, well, I mean, Stamper yeah. out.
1: Honestly, yeah, that's not wrong. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. So chapter I'm here. I'm <laughs> here.
0: <laughs> anyway,
1: one second. Let me just It was down. rough
0: rough <laughs> for Leon or Cal it's introduction. For us. The introduction to. <clears throat> to houston life yeah rough. So, there's so, so many you know, ways and... that you can back out of this i'm, I'm <laughs> giving them to you <laughs> you got this
2: paper was physically rough in your hand there was like yes. a texture
0: yes beveled edges on the book I accidentally got
1: during chapter three which is shooting stars season one episode 10 <laughs> Um, I think they're talking to, yeah, it's the one where they're talking to Cal about gymnastics. I felt bad. for Cal. Leon. Leon. Oh, my God. Literally, I'm having a brain fart. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're talking to Leon about gymnastics. And, like, it just felt really bad for him in that moment. That was, like, the one singing out, know, I'm never going to talk ever again.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, this that's where Josh kind of starts being a little skeezy. But then you also see kind of the pressure on the families. For the first time, because like the first intro, I would say it's just Josh and um, and Grace talking um, about the program. And like, it's a little bit more upbeat. And then this is the one where they like really talk about the lives the astronauts families had to leave behind and like that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's I mean, it is pretty rough, but uh
1: it was really well written. It was the best thing <laughs> I've ever read. Um I want like
0: best, 20 more chapters
1: uh... of just you know, this book, um, if you could just... It's uh, a scene, really. Yeah, it's just, um, I I want to see it in person. It was Great. the best thing I've ever read. Great.
2: <laughs> Compliments only from here on out. Oh my God.
1: Um, the last time we had someone here and we were about to tell them something specific about their book or like the audio book, the chat room just kicked them out. And we we're like, uh-oh, they left because we we're about to tell them something. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I I I think I just had a panic attack. Wow. Um, <laughs> uh. Wow. Sophie,
2: do you have any questions? Do you want to ask Phil? Oh no! So this
0: would be a great time to jump in.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Please help me. I'm loving the, fl- the flaring you. around. This is really great for me. This is um, the worst thing I've ever done to myself. I love this. We're really bringing Ryan LaSalle energy to this part of the episode. <laughs> Oh, this is our troll things.
1: beans. I was the one that asked our about troll I was <laughs> I was the one that no. asked Ryan about your like your foe or like real, who knows? Like um, com- like the like our rivalry. Yes, I was like competitive nature. Yeah. No, that's not the right word.
0: Yeah, it's like Pokemon. Where you like <laughs> Are we getting which one's to Pokemon? the rival now?
2: and which one's yeah. the hero?
0: Uh, well, I'm the hero who's the rival. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I think we all know our, our roles. He's Gary. Um, but like Oh
1: my god, the like, greatest Gary red and, I've ever met ever. Absolutely. Regular the, r-
0: Gary. the regular Gary is pretty gay. Um, <laughs> smell you later. Uh,
2: he wishes. You can, like
0: hear Ryan saying that though?
2: Driving away in a convertible filled with cheerleaders who are chanting his yes. name. Yes, yes, yes. 100%. absolutely. percent With a really bad wig on, though.
0: I mean. No does one, he have good uh, no. <laughs> look at his bangs um
1: <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> why would the bangs happen i i actually like his hair but i'm curious about why the bangs happen
0: I, truly i almost had my own breakdown i just am too of a chicken to like that um to do anything to my hair um you have really
1: nice hair i would what would you even do to that sitting and thinking about it
0: spike
2: it in 12 directions so I, I was thinking
0: of um doing like a full shave like of my beard sorry not of my hair um oh, my I was beard, like, Please don't which shave like i'm not like haven't i haven't done that in years for good reason because i like have no jawline um and then i was like what if i just go really short with my hair and then i was like but it's winter and i was like i could do blonde um and then i was like i'm not gonna pay to go blonde um so i'm just like too practical to have that breakdown Um, and I think of Mm -hmm. all, of all the options he had, um, I think he chose the best one, which was to get baby bangs. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm happy for him. He's pulling it off now. They're really growing in.
1: It's really that, like the thing that I saw a lot in Ireland was like men that have like almost like a bowl cut, but it's not, but it's like a Caesar cut, but it's like hipper. I don't know how to describe it.
0: Yeah. I mean, he can pull off anything though, to be quite honest. So.
1: You're so nice to him. And he was sitting at his own reading event talking about how awful you are. I'm kidding. That didn't happen. Um, I mean, it wasn't (laughs) surprising. It was. Yeah, actually, no, it was reported. I forgot about that.
0: I I did see the, I think I saw the video from that. Trying to remember what it was. But he did say something.
1: I asked. I was like, oh, what? Um, Like, tell me about. And he was like, oh, that Phil Stamper.
0: Yeah. I'm really anyway, we have, a, yeah. we have a great friendship, but, um, you know, we're, we're rivals. Good way, I think. He shares I, information with me, which is very important. I love how when you guys are,
1: like, asked about it, you're like, oh, yeah, we're rivals. And it's like, yeah, so, like, when I was doing this one thing, like, we shared information, and it was really helpful at the end of
0: the day. I'm like, exactly. oh, And we yeah, cried that's together rivals. and, like, got coffee, and, you know, it was, it was just what rivals do.
1: Totally. I've watched Gossip Girl enough to know that that's how that works.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: I, I really feel like I don't have any other specific questions literally the this podcast is just like a, oh wait here's a fun question for you <laughs> um, usually we ask our Canadian friends this I feel like we can ask you oh, as well okay. um, what is your favorite Carly Rae Jepsen song do you have one do you like Carly Rae Jepsen
0: um, I do like Carly Rae Jepsen I don't have many like I'm not gonna give you any deep cuts here but um, cut <laughs> to the feeling every Pride month I listen to the I go to the Mashable page where MJ Franklin, um, who now like works for the times um, he put up this entire post. That was just the chorus of um, cut to the feeling for 10 hours straight. I'll spend usually my first work day at my computer listening to as much of that as I can handle, which is usually six or so hours of just the chorus of cut to the feeling. Um, And it's a really special moment for me every year. About to celebrate my third wow. year of that of that <laughs> post um, i I'm love sure. the
1: commitment to
2: that it's yeah. truly beautiful yeah.
0: yeah so i don't have a favorite song or deep cut i don't really know any of her songs after that um i mean I, I i would recognize them if they like heard them and i would probably know some of the words um but that one is is near and dear to my heart
1: i was shamed by mason deaver and sophie and to <laughs> knowing more about carly ray jepson
0: uh, Mason. We'll do that.
1: Yeah, it was it was great. And then it was awful um, because I was like, oh, I think I like, like you know, like, call me maybe. And I felt like both Sophie and Mason were like, are you okay? Is everything all right at
2: home? <laughs> oh my god. My <laughs> my roommate was talking. I think one of her, like, professors or something was talking about Carly Rae Jepsen or she brought up Carly Rae Jepsen and they were like, is that the call me maybe girl? And I was like, I mean you're not wrong but you're also very wrong.
0: <laughs> I mean the professor said that?
2: Yeah. Okay. And there was also for them. There was another she keeps coming up and I think it's my her professor's attempt to be relevant. But Oh no. The, there was another moment where it was like they're going over like a worksheet they were going to she's a, in grad school to be a teacher so they're going over a worksheet they were going to use for their kids. And it said something about like call me maybe something something, and the professor was like, "See, it even has like references to Taylor Swift, so it's like relevant for the kids." And everyone <gasps> oh, was like, no. "No, that's not Taylor Swift." Oh my no. god, no! Oh, I just
0: cringed all over. That person shouldn't be teaching anyone
1: anything.
2: Honestly.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, um, Sophie, do you? I'm gonna ask you one more time. Do you have? Do you have any? I
2: have one last note yes, that
1: it save is, me. It's,
2: it's, so I think this is the first audiobook that I've listened to in a while. It has like an, an actual like author's note at the end. Oh yeah. Um, not just like a forward or like a quick blurb or a dedication or something. You actually have like a really beautiful note at the end that you read. So that was nice. Uh, but I have a specific note where I just wrote animorphs with like 12 explanation points <laughs> next to it.
0: Yeah. I was never a goosebumps person. I was always an animorphs person. And, um, like whenever like this classic book fair rolled in, you were one or the other. Like you weren't. You can't play for well. I guess a lot of people did, but um, <laughs> you you only had a limited <laughs> amount of money. You were gonna go to one of the stands. So um, I always went to the animorph stand stand uh, because I was an animorph stand. Um, and and yeah, I just I loved it. I loved that you could like flip the paperback book at the bottom and you could see it transform from the human to whatever animal it was. Book style, um, and I would do that instead of read it for a little bit. Um, yeah, do you have any specific questions about animals? Because I don't remember much, but
2: I was just very excited. I feel like it's one of those things that was super prevalent in my childhood. And not, I, I bring it up, and people are like, Yeah, those are like the books where the people turn into animals, right? Like they're, they're like, it's vaguely in their consciousness, but I was like, very excited to see that. Um, very important like, to
0: me.
2: <laughs> yeah, I feel like I I read something recently that was like an interview with the author that was like really like poignant about like the horrors of war and stuff and how... Animorphs trans- is
1: literally about war.
2: I yeah. mean, yeah, but they were like, yeah, I wanted, like I didn't want the books to end well because it's not how wars end and i was like do i have to reread these as an I adult
0: do, i do because i like i clearly missed all that because like i was just you know it's fun they turned into animals and like whatever and like missed so much of that k-a affiliate is the author and um yes yeah oh my god um, it, an amazing person from what it seems like compared to other authors who have not aged quite as well with their opinions Ooh.
2: um oh yep yep a.a. A. But I was like, yeah, I was like so proud. I was like, oh, I think I have to reread these. So maybe uh, this mention in your author's note, maybe I will just finally go back and reread Antimorphs. And guess who?
0: Oh, sorry. Guess who reads the audiobook? It's Michael Crouch. No. Are you serious?
1: (laughs) He really does.
0: I don't know if he does all of them, but he's, there's one, um, main character that he always does the voice for. And he, um, he Is was, too
2: biased?
0: He, it, so he, he tweeted recently, he was doing an AMA on the, um, the Animorph subreddit. And, uh, because people were going to ask him questions about how he did the, the narration for whatever character it was. I was just like, Oh, okay um so you literally do read every book
2: oh okay Good i'm a hundred percent in so yeah,
0: no i'm fully in and i I need to go listen to all of the audiobooks
2: i'm going to turn this into an animorphs
1: podcast there's an animorphs podcast that's what i was going to say my brother and i have listened to it on long drives where they talk about specifically like oh what's God. going on like the war point like literally Wait, that's the, the two... only reason i know anything about animorphs
2: is it the is the host two girls I think so. I think my brother sent me that, but he sent me like a specific episode because they they hit a point where they finished the books. So they started reading Animorphs fanfiction and making their own OCs. Oh, no. it was oh, wow. very, very funny. <laughs> How many Animorph books are there? There's a good amount.
0: Um, I So it, he is Tobias in the new audiobooks. So they, <laughs> I guess they just re-released them, I which is a perfect Sophie time to start. Knew.
2: I'm I'm all in. That makes yeah. the most sense because you know he's a bird for a while, so it's just a lot of inner monologue, I guess. Are they telepathic? I can't remember.
0: Uh, sure. Anyway, we'll 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 meet up after um after we read the whole series again and uh, have our animorphs catch up.
2: That'll be perfect.
1: <laughs> I would
0: actually love that. <laughs>
1: I'll be sure to embarrass myself and say the reading in this section was really rough.
0: Yeah, really rough. <laughs> um yeah that's what all my goodreads reviews are now gonna say
1: oh like, well i mean like
0: <laughs> this phrase was rough i mean it's better than some of the ones i have now so
1: oh god i go for it who, who put out the book that uh don't read the comments
0: oh yeah eric smith so very his, good advice
1: his cake that at his like launch party someone cut it and it just says don't don't read,
0: read? amazing <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's my favorite thing to do when there's text on cake is just slowly eat eat it in places so it just spells dumber and dumber things.
1: Oh my god this this episode really devolved into a a fabulous uh, fabulous time.
0: <laughs> Sounds must like do, which is great.
1: Every one of our we, podcasts, yeah, we I'm not started kidding. strong. It, it it goes from like, okay, I have a serious question for you, into like, how do you think Sailor Moon gets her hair up every day? Like that's like where it ends. <laughs> Um, I don't um, I don't have any more questions that are specific. Um, no, I
2: just no, I'm just down to talk about Andy and Pokemon now. That's all I got. I'm out of important, smart questions.
1: <laughs> oh, here's a question for you. I asked Sophie this in the last episode. If you could if you could give like, um, say, like yourself or like Ryan LaSala or like, I don't know, like uh, Caleb Roehrig, like superpowers, what would they be? Because I asked, like, Wait, which, I, I asked which X Men because we were reading Adam Silvera's book, and they have oh, superpowers okay. yeah, in yeah. that. And I was like, okay, so like, what do you think? Like, would they be supervillains or would they be like superheroes? What X Men would they be?
0: Interesting. I've never thought of that. I literally don't know what Ryan's would be. You would have. A, I mean, it would obviously be something very flashy. I feel like
1: Ryan LaSala would be like a supervillain, but only because it's like yeah. But it's I think mystical. he would have like
0: the flair of like Storm.
1: Yeah. Uh huh.
0: Like that. Like that's the drama that he would bring to it for sure.
1: Who's the one that is the Sparkler one? I'm forgetting her name. Jubilee. Jubilee.
0: Yeah, that's that's her right. power
2: is she make firework.
0: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> okay, that's fun. Um, yeah, I don't. So I, I I don't know much about the X Men. Like my the the most I know is <laughs> so saying the, the word Storm, and I and I did it um so I, i've already <laughs> tapped out
1: perfect oh no um, um i i'm glad i asked you that question then i'm glad i stemmed you that's what we're here for <laughs> is there anything else you wanted to add about the book before we ended
0: no um i think we had a nice conversation so thank you for having me thank you for putting like, up with our sp- questions of course <laughs> um is there any specific sign off or anything you do or just
1: we usually just they just like, stop talking. And yeah, then we just, they, they figured it cut out. cut it off, and then I
0: shoot it That's into fair. the internet. Um, we leave like ten
2: minutes of silence at the end of every episode. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> so
0: and, then like, and then like what you've done. a bonus track at the end. <gasps> yeah. Um, so you, oh, I love that. You, yeah, it's like old school CDs. You just have to wait ten minutes, and then all of a sudden, like you get Ryan LaSalle's laugh in the background or something.
2: <laughs> a Can bonus we do feature. that? But like and make add like an echo effect to it.
0: <laughs> oh yeah,
1: of just like an evil cackle. Yeah, you
0: have to now
2: i'm it's sure happening. i
1: have somewhere in the podcast someone screaming or i i'm sure i have it on my computer all right um uh thank you so much phil for hanging out with us today and answering our very serious questions
0: thank you for having me fun
1: so <laughs> i always mess this up my name is Renna Patrick. we have sophie g we have phil stamper and you've been listening to the super lit podcast
2: outro music